athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. He has it. McKay looks, looking one-on-one into the end zone, and it is caught in the end zone for the touchdown. And Florida A&M wins the ball game 34-31. to And that touchdown catch was by Marcus Williams as the Rattlers walk off with the victories. That's how we're going to get it popping on the Dopey Show on radio from the press box to press row. I am your host, Donald Ware. That was yours truly on the Aggie Sports Radio Network. Overtime victory by Florida A&M, 34-31 over North Carolina A&T. Sunday in Tallahassee shakes up the HBCU football world. And rightfully so, Florida A&M number one in both the box-to-row coaches and media polls as Florida A&M and A&T flip-flop places. Uh, it was a great football game, a lot of controversy. There was uh, a, 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 I'd call it more of a, of a scuffle, uh, more so than a fight that happened at halftime. And I'm not going to talk any more about that. I'd invite you to listen to the HBCU Football Daily Podcast. I talked about it on Monday and Tuesday. You can log on to it at our website at boxtorow.com. Good victory for Florida A&M. Got a really good program. Willie Simmons doing an excellent job in Tallahassee. Listen, a whole lot to get to on the program. As a matter of fact, in this segment, Damon Wilson, the head football coach at Bowie State, going to join us here as the Bulldogs 7-0 on the season. A big-time matchup against Virginia Union for the CIAA's Northern Division lead. Also joining us today here on From the Press Box to Press Row, we're going to talk some NBA. Mike Wallace, senior editor of Grind City Media, going to join us on the program. We got a lot to get to as it relates to the NBA, and we're going to preview maybe your favorite team. So keep it locked here to From the Press Box to Press Row. Your participation here on the program always warranted. Maybe you have a question uh, for Mike Hit. Us up via Twitter at Box to Row, B O X T O R O W, or on Facebook, B O X, the number two R O W. Thank you to all of our great affiliates around the country that carry from the press box to press row. Those that listen to us on Sirius XM, channels 141 and 142, and those that listen to us around the world at Box to Row.com. Let's continue here on From the Press Box to Press Row. The Bowie State Bulldogs undefeated on the season 7-0. A Saturday tilt against Virginia Union. The uh, first place in the CIAA Northern Division is on the line in his 11th season as the head football coach of the Bulldogs. is Damon Wilson who joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. What's going on, Coach Wilson? Got a whole lot going on just trying to sit in the uh, Virginia Union. Yeah, big big time football game. Uh, you know, it's these it, it's that northern division is so tough and you look at the years Chawan even though a little bit you know, a little bit down maybe uh this year, uh but Chawan, Virginia State, Virginia Union typically the games you have to play in succession. Uh talk about last week eking that victory out against Virginia State on the road. It was homecoming there in Petersburg. Like you said, I call this the gauntlet of our season. Playing those games back to back with a division opponent is very tough. And of course, to go down to Petersburg and play Virginia State at their homecoming uh, is, is, is the ultimate test for us. But our guys found a way to pull it out at the end. Um, I mean, Virginia State's a very good football team, but we were able to execute in all three phases and, and come up with a W. 
Yeah, and and sort of coming back, if you will, a little bit, getting down early, you know, seven to nothing, and it was sort of a a, a defensive battle, if you will, in that in that first half. Yeah, uh, it, it, you know, it was, it was a game where I think the top two defenses uh, in the conference were going at it. Uh, we had to, you know, had to, had to weather the storm, and, and, and uh, you know, they came out pretty high, you know, defensively. So we just had to try to pick out battles up front and, and, and eventually get to the things that we wanted to do offensively. Uh, we had a big play special team-wise. Uh, I think it was the beginning of the second half when we had a block punt, and that really got the momentum on our side. And, and the guys kind of rallied behind that and uh, we took us to the victory. You know, one of the things that I've been saying about your football team all year is that you guys are getting it done defensively. Boy, that kid, Joshua uh, Pryor, he's a man-child, 6'4", 280, redshirt, sophomore. Am I am I wrong about that? I mean, are, are you getting it done defensively? Our defense is doing a great job. Our defensive line is really getting after it. Uh, we have Joshua, then you have uh, Leke, who's back. You know, he missed a few games because of injury. Uh, James Dumas and Jason Rogers, those guys are really playing with a lot of passion and, and, and a high motor. And our, and our back-end guys are really uh, being rewarded because of the D-line is getting after the quarterback on the opposing team. Your thoughts, I mean, you know, Jerome Johnson, your quarterback now after, uh, you know, three years uh, of Amir there, uh, as Amir Hall there as the uh, as the quarterback, um, your assessment of the way Jerome Johnson is playing, I mean, you look at his touchdown to interception ratio, very solid, but he also brings that other element, being able to run the football. Uh, Jerome, you know, coming into the year, wasn't the starter. It was Gaston Cooper, and Gaston got hurt right before the first game, and we were able to pick him back, uh, get him back on the roster uh, for the first game, but he still wasn't, you know, 100%. Jerome just took advantage of his opportunity, and uh, Jerome does bring that other Fast into the ball game with his legs. Uh, we're watching him get better every week. He's getting more comfortable in the offense and our passing game. So it's really a joy to see a kid that's only been with us since January come in and be as far as he along as he is right now in our offense. You know, I got to be honest with you. The last three years you've come on the program, you've consistent or prior to now, and you consistently said it's about the offense, not necessarily about a player. But it was hard for me to really understand what you were saying because you had, you know, a guy like an Amir Hall. So can you kind of speak to that? And you guys, uh, I don't, I guess you haven't really changed your offense, but to your point, it is really about the offense and plugging those guys in that can make plays. Well, we, we have a saying, you know, the next man, next man up mentality. Uh, we also talk about your tradition, not graduating. So just because a young man or young men graduate from the program, that doesn't mean we change our expectations or we change what we do. So tradition doesn't graduate in this one year that I think now outsiders are having an opportunity to see that. You know, with Amir having a lot of success the last three years, I think a lot of people kind of counted us out uh, because we were losing Amir. We definitely miss him, but we just have to try to find a way to win ball games in, different, in a different way. You know, we, Amir had a lot of the passing yards the last few years, and now you know, we're doing it differently, but we're still finding a way to win ball games. And that's what's the ultimate goal at the end of the day. I mean, I know you're 7-0. and You you know, just a handful of losses last year. You win the CIAA championship. You win a game uh, in the Division II playoffs. Is this is this a better team than last year's team? I think it's a different team. You know, this, this team here is uh, <laughs> it's a, it's a different team. I don't want to say a better team, but it's a different team. I think we have more talent spread out across the team. Uh, last year, I think offensively with the Mir, and some of the guys we had a wide receiver and running back, I think definitely uh, brought a new, a new uh, another uh, wave of a type of ball we were able to play. But this year defensively, we picked up some guys that really has uh, brought into the system and, and, and really playing fast with a lot of passion. So I think it's just a different team. I don't want to say better, but I think it's a different team. And I think this team has the ability to accomplish some of the same things that the team last year accomplished. Damon Wilson in his 11th season as the head football coach at Bowie State joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. The Bulldogs uh, are at home on Saturday against Virginia Union. The CIAA's Northern Division uh, lead, at least, is on the line. Both teams undefeated in CIAA play. How has your team gotten better over these seven weeks, Coach Wilson? I think communication. You know, early on, we, we knew we had, we had confidence and we had some guys that were proven at this level, uh, and, and I don't think 
Uh, they were ready to necessarily play earlier in the year. But as we progress through the season, these guys are communicating a lot better. They're understanding uh, the defensive scheme and offensive scheme as well as special teams. And it's allowing them to play a little faster. You know, when guys are new into a system or they're new to starting, sometimes it takes time to, to get those guys to uh, totally understand the system. So I think doing throughout the year we've gotten better uh, from that in, in that uh, realm as well as our practices. Our practices are very competitive. We have uh, 30 freshmen that we're redshirting this year, and those guys come to compete every day at practice. So uh, it's, they're giving our offense and our defense a great look every day, and it's preparing our guys for Saturday. Can, can you speak a little bit more to that? I remember early on um, in your tenure, you guys would do well in the – mostly uh, not preseason, but, you know, out-of-conference games and then maybe not so much, a lot of 5-5 five and five records, a lot of even records and so forth. But you've really built this program, particularly at the D2 level. You don't really hear about 30 guys getting redshirted. Can you, can you speak to that and how you've been able to build this program? And then a guy like a Joshua Pryor practiced with you as a true freshman, didn't play, and now look at the success that he's having. And, I mean, and that's a great example. We have, we've had a number of guys just like Joshua who we redshirted the first year. We've been ready, redshirting probably about 85 to 90% of our classes each year. And so now when those young men are getting on the field, they understand time management. They understand how to practice like a college player. They understand the importance of uh, getting your academics together and learning the playbook. Those guys are now a year stronger. They're a year older. So, you know, when, we, when they're hitting the field, it's not playing with a true freshman. It's, it's a guy that's already been in the system. And our goal is for those guys to play like they're junior after that red shirt season. You know, they're coming out summer academy, but they'll take two college level courses. They'll be on summer, I mean, on campus for six weeks out this summer, and then we'll go right into training camp. And those guys, like I said, they, we don't play them. You know, we don't play them their freshman year, and by the time that second year comes around, those guys are hungry. They're a lot, like I said, a lot stronger. They're knowledgeable of the system, and uh, this is, I think, this is the key to winning uh, and, and building a program, not just a good team. Yeah, no question. Damon Wilson is the head football coach at Bowie State, joins us here on the program. Uh, Virginia, like yourself, Virginia Union, a very good um, defensive team, uh, a good offensive team uh, as well. What are some of the challenges that the Panthers present to the Bulldogs? Coach does a good job with, uh, from an offensive standpoint of giving you different uh, formations and personnel packages. Uh, and the, the key is stopping the running game. You got to stop number nine and thirteen. Those guys are good runners, so you have to stop those guys and try to make a one-dimensional. Now, if you do that, you have a chance to uh, be successful defensively and offensively. For us, are those guys defensive, man? They really get after. They got a secondary that flies around, and up front their D line is big. Uh, so it's important for us to keep a, a hat on the hat, as we say, and make sure that we make the right calls and check at the line of scrimmage to give our guys an opportunity to be successful. Should be an outstanding game. In Bowie, Virginia Union and Bowie State get together with the CIAA Northern Division lead on the line in his 11th season as the head football coach of the Bulldogs is Damon Wilson. Joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Coach Wilson, as always, we appreciate the time. Continued success to you and the Bulldogs. Hey, thanks, Tom. Thanks for having me. That's going to be an absolutely big-time football game in Bowie, Maryland. Still to come here on From the Press Box to Press Row, Mike Wallace, Senior Editor of Grind City Media, going to join us on the program. Just waking up in the morning, got to thank God. I don't know, but today seems kind of odd. No barking from the dog, no small. It's Donald Ware, host of From the Press Box to Press Row, the biggest names, our guests on Box to Row. That is the voice of Kevin Durant. Oh, yeah, well, I'm just, you know, trying to get better every single day. You know, uh, we've been through a lot as a team, and I enjoy playing with a great group of guys. Hey, this is Ronda Rousey. This is Michael Vick. Hi, this is Layla Ali. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Skylar Diggins. Hey, it's Alex Morgan with the U.S. Women's Soccer Team. I'm talking about none other than Serena Williams. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you. That was definitely one of the better matches I've ever played. I've had it just like that. You know, I was really focused, yeah, and I was really... Um, ready and serious just really, you know, excited. Missed any of these interviews? Then check us out online at www.boxtorow.com That's from the press box to press row. Real. Relevant. Radio.
You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. Joining us in a couple of moments here on From the Press Box to Press Row, Mike Wallace, senior editor of Grind City Media, going to talk some NBA, talk a little bit about Tennessee State as well, and that Magic City Classic, Alabama A&M and Alabama State. Also, we're going to take a look at week nine of the HBCU football season. Big time games, Bowie State, Virginia Union to preview also, Alcorn State and Southern getting together. Any thoughts you may have, hit us up via Twitter at box to row B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number 2-R-O-W. You want to share something personally with me, hit me up on my personal E or my personal Twitter account, Dware1 at Dware1. Let's continue here on From the Press Box to Press Row. We're going to talk some NBA, some HBCU, all kinds of stuff, because that's how we do it here on the program when Mike Wallace, senior editor of Grind City Media, joins us on the program. What's going on, Mike? Hey, man, I'm I'm, I'm glad to be back. It's been too long, man. It's a lot going on, as always, but that's only a good thing, man. We got so much to get to. I'm not even going to waste it right now. I'm going to go ahead and save it for the, for the hot takes that we're about to jump into, baby. Absolutely. I got to start here. And it's no disrespect to Jackson State, but you got to tell me because you've seen Tennessee State play. How does Tennessee State lose to Jackson State, but then beats Austin Pay, who's nationally ranked? Like, what's going on with Tennessee State this year? Yeah, that's that's. You know what? I can't put my finger on either one of those teams, D, because. You know, again, uh, the, the, both of those teams had so much promise coming into the season. Then they faced each other in the uh, Southern Heritage Classic uh, in Memphis back in September. And, and Jackson State won a thrilling game. That was a shootout between those two. And I thought that that was going to propel both of those teams on to bigger and better things. When we were at the Swag Media Day, you and I talked about how Jackson State can finally live up to trying to chase down Alcorn. And, and the way it looks like both of those teams sort of hit a slide over the last couple of weeks following that and 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 you know fortunately for for both jackson state and tennessee state uh they're going into you know to saturday with uh coming off wins and 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 and, you know when it comes to that and it's one of those situations where it's going to be a tough schedule uh the rest of the way for both teams but you know tennessee state man i i feel for my guy rod reed um he's a remarkable man uh he's he's a true blood program guy from from day one um they just changed the ad there with uh, uh dr phillips announcing she's going to retire and you just have to wonder with him in the final year of his contract can they do enough to salvage the rest of this season uh to move forward with them but we'll see chris Rowland is my guy man no matter what he's doing no matter what the team is doing he's going to be fun to watch on saturdays and soon sundays yeah man that guy that guy is really really good man um so you know i i really and i know you know we've Talk for many years, man. Love what you guys at Grind City Media are doing um, HBCU-wise. I think it's absolutely phenomenal because now you're talking about that linking up on the NBA level. So I want to get your thoughts. Uh, you did a little piece, you know, with respect to your thoughts on the upcoming Magic City Classic between A&M and State. That, that's, uh, you know, I heard, and, and I think you and I were both on the uh, – the SWAT conference calls earlier this week, and, and, you know, it was a joy to hear, you know, both coaches, man, uh, Connell Maynard and, and Donald Hill Ely uh, talk about the magnitude of that matchup and, you know, how one team says, you know what, if you don't win any other games, if you go 1-11 or 1-10, you got to win the Classic, that Ma- Magic City Classic. And then, you know, Donald comes back and says, hey, man, everybody who is somebody and everybody who used to think they were somebody is going to be at that game. So <laughs> he threatened to break out his fur coat on the sideline. Line, uh, because of the magnitude of that game and the, the spectacle that it is, it's. But but to me, more than anything else, off the field, uh, it's basically a SWAC East Division eliminator. Because you know whoever loses that game is going to have a hard time making up ground trying to catch uh, Alcorn State uh, down the stretch with the way the uh, the SWAC is, is shaping up on that side of the conference. So it's it's an important game, obviously with sixty seventy thousand people. Uh, Birmingham shows up and shows out, and uh, you know it's it's really really the uh, 
uh, in terms of momentum, it's one of the uh, best classics we have going uh, in HBCU sports. No question about it. That's the voice of Mike Wallace, senior editor of Grind City Media, joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Of course, follow him on Twitter at MyMikeCheck. So you had an opportunity. Uh, the Grizzlies uh, faced off first game of the season against the Heat. Um, it, it's interesting, a dynamic there, because you covered the Heat for so many years, the LeBron James days and before, um, and then, of course, now uh, with the Grizzlies. Sort of your thoughts on being back, what Miami looks like, and then your thoughts on the Grizzlies' performance. Well, you really couldn't really gauge what Miami is going to look like because they were without, you know, Jimmy Butler in that game. I mean, he was a late scratch after going through uh, the morning workout. Uh, you know, he wasn't playing in that game for, for personal reasons. Um, we'll see if he's, you know, you know what this means for them in terms of making adjustments uh, and, and how soon he gets back and what he does when, and when he gets back. But you also look at a situation where they were suspending uh, Deion Waiters for that game too. So, you know, their top two potential scorers and, and, and you know, guys that put the ball in the basket weren't there and they still were able to win that game going away in the fourth quarter against against the Grizzlies. So I, I like Miami's depth. I know they're going to play hard just as Winlow's, Winslow has taken the next step in his game. But I tell you what, Bam Adebayo, man, is a star in the making. I have him uh, as one of the early top front runners on my uh, most improved player ballot because it wasn't that he was bad last year or the last couple, first couple years, but I just think he's going to take a major leap forward uh, in terms of his development and what he's going to deliver on the court. I think he's going to be a 15-10 and 10 kind of guy uh, with three blocks when, when it comes to his that line. Now, as it relates to the Grizzlies, look, the Grizzlies are a young team, you know, exciting young guys. John Morant is going to be worth the price of admission both at home and on the road, no matter where you catch these guys, um, because he's going to do something or two things or three things every game that makes you scratch your head and, and go, wow, that's going to be on Sports Center uh, in the highlights uh, uh, tonight when I get home. So, you know, you have that, and you also have some other intriguing players on this roster. Jaron Jackson Jr. obviously is another one, but it's so many new parts new moving pieces that need to get acclimated uh, in Memphis, uh, that it's going to be a building process. It's going to be a, a tough sledding early on, and you hope that a, a after you know, the first 15, 20 games, they can find some momentum and find some continuity, uh, and the second half of the season can be a little bit better uh, than the first half is going to be. Let's look at some of the teams, especially for some of our local affiliates. We'll begin with the Charlotte Hornets, who opened the season with a 126-125 to victory over the Bulls. Uh, you know, Kimba Walker, after so many years in Charlotte, leaves to go uh, to Boston. But again, getting that first win, P.J. Washington, 27 points. Dwayne Bacon, 22 points. A guy I really like that I knew was going to step up. Uh, Devontae Graham, local kid from right here in Raleigh, uh, really stepping up. Your thoughts, not necessarily on the victory, but just uh, on the Hornets and how they'll be able to compete this upcoming season. You know that, that it's it's one of those things where you know the expectations are are, are a little bit lower uh, right now because you know, I mean you're in a rebuilding sort of rebuilding on the fly type mode. Kimball Walker's are obviously moved on. Uh, you have some pieces on that roster that could end up in trades with Nick Batum later on, and 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 some of those guys. Michael Kidd Gilchrist is another guy that you really don't know uh, what his long term potential and, and and future is with that team from here. Um, but when you look around and you see some of the young guys that they have developing, and particularly in that backcourt, they do have some backcourt depth. Terry Rozier is a bulldog. I mean, he's one of those guys that has something to prove, and he did that in Boston, and I think he's going to bring that swagger uh, and that confidence to uh, to Charlotte. Um, and, and then you just keep looking on and, and you know Miles Bridges is a guy that's ready to come into his own put him in that list too as one of the most improved players because I think he's ready to make uh, a leap to the next level uh, from that standpoint and if you can get one or two other guys that can you know do something this season for you really really step up and help you I think they're going to have to get something from one of the big positions at the uh, power forward or center I think that's what they need to have to address uh, immediately to in, in order to sustain uh, what they can do and, and whether they can rebuild this year or or sort of contend for one of the final spots in the East. Because I think spots in the East from six all the way down to, to probably, you know, 12 or 13 are going to be tight. It's going to be wide open. So I think Charlotte, if they can do some things to uh, maintain themselves and, and fortify that rotation a little bit more, uh, who, 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 who says this has to be a rebuilding year? Yeah. How about the Wizards for our listeners in Washington, WHUR 96.3 HD2. Um, when it, of course, they opened the season with the loss to Dallas Rui. 
uh, Hachimura, uh, an impressive uh, debut. Your thoughts on the Wizards moving forward? Of course, John Wall may miss the whole season, perhaps part. And then also the signing or the two-year extension, the signing of Bradley Beal moving forward as well. Yeah, that, that that transaction with Bradley Beal, even though it was, it was couched and 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 put out there uh, as a sign that hey, this is our guy. He, you know, he's going to be here. We're going to rebuild around him and build through him. Uh, it also is a sign to the rest of the league that hey, you don't have to worry about him becoming a free agent in the next year or two uh, if we have to trade or, or have some trade talks. So wherever we have to end up sending him, if he wants out, uh, he's going to be sent into a situation where he's going to be on that next team for a couple years, three, four years. Um, but I also think for right now, Bradley Bill wants to be able to lift the Wizards through this. He's not a guy that wants to go through the media and have adversarial relationships with his franchise. That's just not his demeanor. He's he's just a more mild-mannered guy uh, than that. He He's smart. He knows what to say, when to say it, and he goes out there and performs. And, and I think it's going to be key for him because he needs to show some of these younger guys, Rui Hachimura, you know, how to make this transition into the league. Um, it's going to be some situations where the Wizards do uh, have a fighting chance. Uh, again, when you talk about teams in the East, uh, this is a team, all of those teams after about the top four are pretty much flawed, um, but they also have some, some opportunities to do something that if one or two breaks go their way and, and they avoid one or two injuries, uh, they can be right in the mix too. So Washington, although we're thinking that they are going to struggle and, and, and be one of the bottom feeders in the Eastern Conference, um, you know, when you have a guy like a perennial all-star now in Bradley Bill, you have a fighting chance. No question about it. Let's step aside. Let's take a break. Let's come back. We're going to have more with Mike Wallace, senior editor of Grind City Media. We got it covered. HBCU NBA right here on From the Press Box to Press Row. All right, we're back here on From the Press Box to Press Row talking with Mike Wallace, senior editor of Grind City Media. Check him out uh, on Twitter. Follow him on Twitter at MyMikeCheck. So let's look at the Oklahoma City Thunder for our listeners on KALU in Langston, Oklahoma, losing its first game of the season, 195 uh, to the Jazz. You know, obviously Chris Paul uh, is there in Oklahoma City. Uh, you know, it's a it's it's a it's a new team. Your thoughts on the Thunder? You know, I was I was just in Oklahoma City uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, wrapping up the preseason, and Chris Paul didn't play in that game. He sat out, and you know, Billy Donovan has sort of rested some of his veterans. But um, at the end of the day, uh, that's a proud franchise. That's a proud city. They're not just going to take hey a rebuild on lightly. I mean, and who's to say that they have to rebuild? I, I like you know some of the pieces that they got in the trades uh, that they had to make. You know, Shea Gilgis Alexander is going to be a guy that a lot of people are going to learn to love and learn to appreciate because of his versatility. Um, Steven Adams, I think this is the first time. Now, Steven's been there for a while. He's been there almost a decade. But this is the first time that he's going to be able to show his true offensive versatility and what he can do. I mean, I think he, he sort of suppressed his game uh, in order to get other guys off and allow other guys to shine. But if Steven Adams can stay healthy, and he's had some injury issues recently, but if he can stay relatively healthy, man, this is a guy that is one of the toughest centers we have in this game today and I think he's going to help them he's going to help establish that culture there that this transitional team uh, is going through right now and I think Billy Donovan again now he can show and implement the system the way he wants to because it's sort of been recrafted and remolded uh, in a way that he can he can get back to the uh, the Florida style University of Florida style of play uh, that he had and I know people are, are impatient you know a lot of people I talked to when I was in Oklahoma City said hey we love Russell Westbrook he was everything for us but it was time for us to move on from him and him to move on for us and they can live with that so when you have that kind of mindset from a fan base in general I think that opens the door for a lot of uh, a lot of positive perspective of where the Oklahoma City Thunder are going you know we got plenty of Orlando Magic fan who listened to us fans that is who listened to us on WURK uh, in Tampa Florida it's a team young team um, a team, you know, sort of on the verge to sort of take that next step, maybe be a, you know, sort of a perennial uh, a playoff team, perhaps, um, you know, your your thoughts on the Orlando Magic? 
Well, they broke through. They broke through last year. And Coach Steve Clifford, uh, you know, said that this is what he was coming there to do, uh, to toughen that team up, allow them and force them to play defense and use some of their athleticism out on the wing and, and versatility. And, you know, I, I, lo- I love what Terrence Ross has done for that team. I love what, you know, what you're seeing, you know, some of the guys that have been overlooked. DJ Augustine uh, has done at the point guard position. Now if you can get, you know, Mo Bamba to come along, if you can get, you know, Vucevic to have another all-star, year and then obviously Aaron Gordon and some of the other guys Jonathan Isaac uh, that they have I mean that that team is ungodly long and ungodly interchangeable and I mean they can put a lot of pressure on you you know I have uh, it's funny because the other day we talked about the teams that we would most want to watch on league pass to sort of track throughout the season and and Sacramento was one for me because of their feast or famine nature they're always going to be entertaining one way or another and I think the Orlando Magic is the other team in the east that I would want to see as sort of the sleeper team that I don't know if you necessarily want to sneak up on them and play them uh, in a playoff series because they can certainly do things that can make it difficult for you to match up. Again, talking NBA with Mike Wallace, senior editor of Grind City Media uh, here on the program. A couple more thoughts. Uh, Plenty of stations in Louisiana, a lot of fans uh, that are of the the New Orleans Pelicans variety. So we know Zion Williamson's going to be out uh, for quite some time. You know, I thought with Zion and then the pieces that they got from the Lakers, when you're talking about Ingram and then you add, you're talking about Ball, you add Reddick to that. I mean, it's it's so much, you know, there's so many great teams in the West. I thought they could have been one of those teams and still can be to perhaps make the playoffs. Be. Yeah, your thoughts? Yeah. Yeah, they they still can be. I mean, Zion obviously had a remarkable preseason. Um, he showed that the same things he was doing at Duke and in college, he could translate to the NBA based on you know what his initial uh, uh, offerings were in the preseason. Um, now he gets to go back and try to heal that up. And I think in addition to having that knee uh, that knee surgery for the MCL, I think he also needs to really focus on. And people always say, look, man, get in shape, get some conditioning. Well, Zion Williams is in shape. I mean, the guy has been remarkable at the size that he is. He's not going to all of a sudden you know go out there and look like ingram he's not going to be a skinny dude he's just going to be a bigger guy uh that plays a certain way ask charles barkley how that worked out you know even uh some role players you know like glenn big baby davis carved out nice roles in the nba and of course you expect far more uh from 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 a guy like zion than, than big baby davis but at the end of the day um you're looking at a guy that once he comes back he's going to add it's going to be like they got a trade so if they can tread water uh in the western conference which is going to be tough but they have the pieces. I mean, Lonzo Ball, Ingram, like I said, I mean, J.J. Redick is down there. Um, Jaleel Okafor needs to step up now and take some of those minutes. Um, they have some pieces down there, and, and obviously, you know, some of the things that they have at the, at the guard, some of the guys that they have at the guard position and on the wings, there's a gluttony of talent there. Um, they just have to play a different way right now and sort of tread water until Zion can get back. And then if he can get back and give them a little boost right around the All-Star break, somewhere around there, if it's going to be that late or right around the turn of the calendar, uh, then that gives them some momentum coming down the stretch, and they still could uh, be one of those teams fighting for a Western Conference playoff spot. Two two part question. Last thought: um, Who comes out of the West? Who do you think comes out of the West? Um, and then who is who's like a, 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 a? I mean, I don't know if you can really call the Nuggets or the Jazz. They've made an investment. Obviously, Quinn Schneider's gotten you know an extension. But but who who's sort of maybe that sleeper team out of the West as well? Man, that, that you know what? It's I, I said it was Sacramento. Um, and then, you know, just as you think that, you know, they, they, they announced that just like Zion Williams and Marvin Bagley, their top big man, young big man, is going to be out about two months now, too, with the injury, so recovering from an injury. So that's a little bit of a setback for them. But when you look at where De'Aaron Fox was with his game, um, they didn't have a great showing at all in their in their, in their opener, uh, regular season opener. But I think this is a team that can recover. Um, watch out for Dallas, though. Dallas can be sneaky good, too. So when you add, you know, a, a guy like Luka Don- you know, and, and, and you talk about the, the, the coaching of a Rick Carlisle and then what Porzingis is going to add to that rotation and lineup and the guys that they have who know how to play and accept their roles. Uh, Dallas can be another one of those teams, too, that you look up and say, wow, I didn't expect this team to be right in this mix right now. So I would say Sacramento and Dallas are the two teams that you need to look out for uh, in the West that you might not see coming. Sure. And then uh, your, your, your champion or your pick coming out of the West? The, the the pick out of the West, man, is, is you know, right now, 
I, you know, I, I, I'm starting with Denver. You know what I mean? As much as, like, I love the L.A. Clippers and what they showed, and I think, what, as I said before when we were talking about FAMU and, and North Carolina A&T, what the Clippers showed against the Lakers wasn't a fluke on opening night. You know, I, and they did it without Paul George. And I think defensively they know exactly who they are. They embrace their roles. So I think it's going to come down to here, – here are my three choices. I think it's going to come down to uh, uh, the Utah Jazz, the Denver Nuggets, and the Los Angeles Clippers. I think one of those three teams is going to emerge out of the West. You can throw them in a hat right now and pick one out, and I'll be like, yep, that's the one. And I won't have anything bad to say about any of those three teams. But watch out for go. Well, Steve Kerr mentioned that, that Clay Thompson is going to be out the entire year. That sort of changes my view on the Golden State Warriors because if he was coming back for certain, man, you wouldn't want to face the Golden State Warriors as a number seven seed. If Golden State's number seven and you're number two, you're going to be shaking in your boots about that kind of first-round matchup. But, yeah, I'm going to go with Denver, Utah, or, or L.A. Clippers. You asked me for one, I gave you three. I'm probably <laughs> going against what your wishes are. It's all good, man. Mike, you know how we do it here on from the press box to press row. Mike Wallace, senior editor of Grind. City Media joins us here on the program. Follow him on Twitter at MyMikeCheck. Also read great stuff, NBA, HBCU, all of it, uh, food, all of that at GrindCityMedia.com. Mike, we appreciate the time, man. We look, I look forward to talking with you throughout the course of the season. Hey, let's do it, man. Let's do it. Hey, listen, we, it took this long because of you. I'm blaming it on you, brother. We got to do this more than this. Come on now. You're right. No, you're absolutely right, man. I got you covered. All right, cool. Always some good knowledge when Mike Wallace comes on the program. And big shots out to our affiliate in Holly Springs, Mississippi, that area in in Memphis, also where the Grizzlies are, uh, who are very familiar, obviously, with Mike Wallace and the work of his staff. Let's take a look at week nine of the HBCU football uh, scoreboard, as a matter of fact, and of course, you can log on to our website at BoxToRope.com. We'll talk more or talk a little bit on the other side about the Prairie View A&M and Jackson State matchup, which took place on Thursday on ESPNU. Arkansas Pine Bluff is hosting Grambling State, an important football game. Um, really, I would say more so for Arkansas Pine Bluff. If the Golden Lions lose this football game. They're already a game down against Southern, who's undefeated in SWAC play right now. That's going to be a tough hole to climb out of. It's the fourth game uh, in a row that Arkansas Palm Bluff is going to be at home taking on Grambling State. Again, both teams are coming off a bye week. We mentioned the Bowie State and Virginia Union game. And if we have a chance to talk about it, to preview it, we will. You can go onto our website at BoxToRow.com to the HBCU Football Daily Podcast. I have previewed that game. As a matter of fact, previewed that game on Thursday. Central State is hosting Miles. Shawan is hosting Elizabeth City State. Clark Atlanta hosting Fort Valley State. Fayetteville State, 6-1 and on the season, 4-0 and in the CIAA, hosting St. Augustine's. I mean, I would imagine if... Fayetteville State wins that football game. Man, I don't know. Maybe they don't wrap up the CIAA Southern Division, but goes a long way to doing so. Johnson, C. Smith, and Shaw get together. You talk about two teams that have losing records but are playing and have throughout the course of the season played some pretty good football. Uh, Johnson, C. Smith losing to Fayetteville State last week, 35-34. to Ernest Wilson, you remember he was ranked my number five um, player to watch at the midway or top player at the midway point. He was ranked number five. The kid is incredible, continues to get it done. Shaw has had a solid season, even though two and two in conference play, uh, a solid season for the Bears. Kentucky State is hosting Edward Waters. Again, Kentucky State, this is obviously a non-conference SIAC game. Still, Kentucky State looking to keep its winning ways as it competes for the division crown in the SIAC. Virginia State looking to lick its wounds as it takes on Lincoln of Pennsylvania. North Carolina A&T hosting Howard, the greatest homecoming on earth in Greensboro. Again, the Aggies looking to bounce back after the loss to Florida A&M. West Virginia State going to be at West Virginia Wesleyan. Wesleyan towards the bottom of the Met. West Virginia State coming off that loss to Urbana and West Virginia State going to want to rebound and doesn't want to look past West Virginia Wesleyan 
as Notre Dame is going to be the opponent on next week. You're talking about the two top teams in the MAC. Allen is hosting Columbus State. Livingstone hosting Winston-Salem State. The Rams looking to keep their slim hopes alive for that Southern Division crown. The other box to row national game of the week, Alcorn State going to be hosting Southern, could be a preview of the SWAC championship game. It was last year's SWAC championship game as well. Langston looking to rebound from a loss, taking on Texas Wesleyan. Mississippi Valley State is hosting Texas Southern. Texas Southern without a win so far this season, putting up a lot of points offensively. Lincoln of Missouri, the Blue Tigers got their first victory of the season last week. Going to be at Northwest Missouri. Texas College hosts Southwestern Assemblies of God. Hampton hosts Virginia Lynchburg, University of Lynchburg homecoming in Hampton. Morehouse hosts Benedict. North Carolina Central hosts Delaware State. The Magic City Classic, Alabama A&M and Alabama State get together an important SWAC Eastern Division matchup. Morgan State hosts Florida A&M. Savannah State hosts Albany State. Lane hosts Tuskegee. And Bethune-Cookman hosts South Carolina State. That's an important MEAC game. Up next here on From the Press Box to Press Row, we got more. BoxToRow.com is the website for all of your HBCU sports needs. From the Game of the Week feature to interviews to the latest news in the world of HBCU sports. BoxToRow.com has you covered. Missed a week of From the Press Box to Press Row? BoxToRow.com has all the archive shows. Don't forget to check out the All-American teams and weekly media coaches polls. From the Press Box to Press Row. And BoxToRow.com, your HBCU sports leader. It's Donald Ware from the Press Box to Press Row. Welcome back to From the Press Box to Press Row. Let's take a look at the Box to Row National Game of the Week. We have two of them. We're going to start with the Alcorn State and Southern game. This game is going to take place in Lorman, Mississippi. It's a rematch from last year's SWAC championship game. Also could be a preview of this year's SWAC championship game you have a southern team and an Alcorn state team both are undefeated in swag play for Alcorn state they are coming off or the braves i should say are coming off a bye week and really have been getting it done uh, so far this year uh, the quarterback play of felix harper has been um, absolutely tremendous as uh, you know i mean what can you say he's come in uh, for and injured Noah Johnson and really has supplanted Noah Johnson has really put Noah Johnson on the bench. He's just playing so well. I mean, it's hard to go back to Johnson with the way uh, that uh, Felix or Harper has been playing um, the running game. So, you know, Johnson, uh, excuse me, Felix Harper in of his, in of himself has just been playing tremendously well. You have a, a, a running game for, Alcorn State that has been uh, pretty solid behind uh, really Nico Duffy, uh, Deshaun Waller. He hasn't uh, come around maybe like uh, we thought that he in fact would. I mean, you're talking about a guy that uh, was the second leading rusher in all of the SWAC on last year, and his numbers are way down, averaging 4.4 yards per carry. He was like it's something like seven yards per carry or more. Uh, on last year one of the ways that the Braves are getting it done is on the defensive side of the football they look to stop the run giving up about 123 yards rushing per game passing wise um, some teams have been able to pass against the Braves but I would say overall defensively Alcorn State is doing a solid job on the defensive end when you look at Southern, Southern and, and Ladarius Skelton, we thought he may take a bit of a step this year, especially with the way that he played last year. Not so much. I mean, I mean he hasn't been bad, but at the end of the day, um, you know, he probably hasn't done as much 
as uh, Southern thought that he would do, especially in the passing game. I know the Jaguars were looking for him to step up a little bit more in the passing game. We've seen the Jaguars go to Glendon McDaniel uh, on this year, where the bread and butter for Southern is, is running the football. Devin Ben has been tremendous. 5.2 yards per carry, four touchdowns on the season. A couple of other guys getting it done. I mean, when you have Ladarius Skelton in, he can run. He's able to rush the football uh, to some degree. But it's a team that can really run the football in terms of passing the football. uh, Not not so much. Again, as a you know, again, you were looking for hopefully Ladarius Skelton to sort of take that next step in terms of being able to be more of a passer, but that just has not happened. And uh, so that's where Southern has struggled. So this is going to be a battle when you look at this Southern uh, uh, team and, uh, and, and, and in terms of from a rushing perspective and you look at Alcorn State in terms of from a defensive perspective, this is going to be a football game where can – Southern continue to run the football against a formidable defense uh, against the run. That's going to be the and really is the question mark in this football game. The other question that I have as it relates to Southern, you cannot allow for Harper to sit back and throw the football uh, if you're Southern. you got to be able to put some pressure on Felix Harper. I'm not sure. Uh, that Southern is going to be able to put that pressure on Harper. Uh, when you look at the number of sacks, I mean, nine sacks for Southern coming into the football game. That's not a lot at all. So while Southern is able to, um, you know, is able to 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 stop the run a little bit, they got to be able to get. I mean, the Jaguars have to be able to get pressure on Felix Harper. You cannot allow for him to sit back and uh, to be able to throw. The football again, good against the run, um, not so much against the pass. I mean, in the pass, in of itself, the Jaguars are giving up 281 yards of of passing per game. That's not going to get it done, particularly against this kind of quarterback in Felix Harper. So Southern again is going to be going to have to be able to put some pressure on Felix Harper. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and make a prediction in this football game. I think Alcorn State ultimately wins this football game. Uh, you you got to play the game. Uh, it's gonna be a big time crowd. Alcorn State, you know, is gonna represent Southern. You know, travels extremely well, especially for an important game where the Jaguars are gonna need some fans on the road. So this is gonna be a game that I mean. You're going to see, I think, in excess of 20,000 at Alcorn State. We'll ultimately see how it plays out. The other Boxer Row National Game of the Week is Bowie State hosting Virginia Union. You talk about back-to-back big-time games for Bowie State. Playing the two Virginia teams and uh, Virginia Union uh, is the team uh, that's on the ledger uh, for this time around. And um, listen, you, you you have two formidable defenses, two very formidable defenses. Uh, and uh, coming into this game, you have a Virginia Union team, Khalid Morris uh, at the quarterback, Tobias Taylor at running back. Taylor not doing as much again this year as we saw last year. He's averaging something like 4.1 yards per carry. He's getting a lot more uh, work, but a lot less yards. That's because teams um, are really, you know, stacking the box to try to stop him. And it has allowed for Khalid Taylor to be able to uh, to really be able to open up the game. Virginia Union had to come back last week against Chawan, where Taylor had uh, uh, Khalid uh, had, excuse me, Morris had three passing touchdowns, also had a rushing touchdown um, as well. So this should be a good football game. Um, I, I like Bowie State in this football game, the Bulldogs, at home. Again, as mentioned, we started week nine off of the HBCU football ledger with Jackson State defeating Prairie View A&M 38-35 in two overtimes. Uh, interesting game. I thought Prairie View A&M had a lot of opportunities in this game. Give Jackson State a lot of credit. They fought. They scratched. 
um, when they needed a, a couple of stops, they were able to get them. Um, you know, again, Jalen Morton went down in this football game. You saw, we saw Jalen Morton, especially in that second half. And I think more specifically in the fourth quarter, he threw some dimes, some big time passes to his receivers. You can see why uh, that you can see why the scouts like him. He's really, really good. We'll have to see the injury that he had. He had a lower leg injury and uh, he got hit low on a play. And I think if 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 Jalen Morton's in that football game, I think it's a little bit different of a football game. I think one in which Prairie View A&M may have been able to close out. Ultimately, though, Prairie View A&M's defense let it down. That's that's the bottom line. Um, The last drive uh, by Jackson State allowed for uh, the Tigers to get in field goal range to be able to kick the field goal to tie the football game. Um, And again, we had two field goals in, in the first overtime period. Um, and then Jackson State got a field goal. Prairie View A&M had a field goal block, and that's how the game ended. And I and really, when you look at Prairie View A&M now, its hopes for the SWAC Western Division pretty much dashed at this moment. You got an undefeated Southern team, of course, still has to play at Alcorn State. You got an Arkansas Pine Bluff team, of course, still has to play uh, against Grambling. But both of those teams playing, meaning uh, Southern and Arkansas Pine Bluff as of right now playing well. Uh, you know, if Grambling happens to get uh, the win against Arkansas Pine Bluff, that puts Prairie View A&M further in the hole, although Prairie View A&M did defeat Grambling in that State Fair Classic. Um, you know, Jackson State, give the Tigers credit. Didn't get much going uh, offensively, switched quarterbacks, went more to a, a running uh, type of deal. And then, uh, actually, I, I said a field goal. Actually, excuse me, it was it was two touchdowns in the first overtime period. Purview A&M able to get a, 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 a phenomenal uh, touchdown by uh, Dewanye Tucker, who, again, just splendid in this football game. Three more rushing touchdowns. Again, I've talked about how he has something to prove, and he is definitely proving it. Uh, meanwhile, it looked like Purview A&M had Jackson State stopped on I can't remember if it was a third down or fourth down I think it was fourth down where it was a bad snap uh, from from Jackson State the running back was able to pick up the football eluded a big rush by Prairie View A&M was able to dump the foot they only needed like two yards was able to get the a pass off so in essence it became a halfback option able to get the pass off uh, and the receiver was able to get into the end zone for the touchdown. Extra point made it good. It tied the football game. Prairie View A&M had all kinds of opportunities in this football game, and it's been the defense of Prairie View A&M that has let the Panthers down this season. And I'm going to tell you what, they don't, they're they they're pretty much uh, out of uh, the running, I think, at least in the Western Division. There's still some games left, don't get me wrong, but a game where you have Southern where it is, Arkansas Pine Bluff, where it is, it's going to be hard for Prairie View A&M to dig out of the hole that it is in. I talked more about the Bowie State and Virginia Union game. I gave you sort of the concise version because we're running out of time here on From the Press Box to Press Row. It's on the HBCU Football Daily Podcast from Thursday. Log on to our website, BoxToRow.com. Thank you to Damon Wilson, the head football coach at Bowie State, for joining us on the program. Also, Mike Wallace, senior editor of Grind City Media, for joining us on the program as well. Don't forget about the HBCU Football Daily Podcast, Monday through Friday. Log on to our website, BoxToRow.com. You can either download the podcast or listen online. And always remember to support those that support you. From the Press Box to Press Row is presented... By DW Communications.